2: Log Talk Radio. Yeah, yeah! You already know what time it, is. time it is! It's that official time! When we take this worldwide! Let's go! Let's so now it's time to turn it up. Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up. We all up in the area like landscape. Definitely bringing you the power slam and pancakes. It's a mandate that you tune in. It's time to move out so we can move in. And recognize that this is no illusion. I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion. It all started off in the book of Genesis. When Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was the nemesis. And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him. He touched his tip, but he really couldn't forward him, and from that point, then we hear a name change, rearrange the game, so now we gotta change lanes. Uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam Show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam Show. Uh. It's turn it up, turn it up, it's the pancake and power play. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the pancake and power play. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the pancake and power play. So, uh, turn it up. You are now listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam show by Crave Wrestling on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page Crave Wrestling.
1: Episode 222, ladies and gentlemen, it is the Pancakes and Power Slam show. We are live and living, color, getting funky like a monkey, if you will. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an action-packed episode as always, and we will continue having an action-packed amazing show with this week's interview that I'm really, really excited about. It's going to be a very riveting interview, and I'm really, really excited to talk about the talk to this person about his career in the WWE. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, this person is uh this person has a really soft spot in my heart, and it's been two hundred and twenty two episodes and it's it's interesting because you know <laughs> going back in the archives, uh you have heard me put this person over countless amount of times on my show, no matter uh where he was on the WWE pecking order, on the WWE echelon. I don't care where he was. I always put him over because I always saw something very special and very charismatic. I don't think, just because he's away from the WWE at this point, I don't believe it's gone away. And there's so much left more in this wonderfully talented superstar. We used to know him as Adam Rose. But now, baby, his name is Aldo Rose. How are you tonight, sir? I'm very good.
3: How are you doing? Thank you for uh, having me on, and that was a, uh, quite a humbling um, introduction.
1: <laughs> man, my pleasure, and it's and it's and it's true, very very true, man. Uh, so, Aldo Rose, let us know uh, let us know about the advent of Aldo Rose. Uh, why? that name was chosen, and why you decided to go with the Aldo, Adam Rosey route, rather than reviving the Leo Kruger?
3: I've been asked that question quite a bit with regards to why um, I chose not to revive um, Kruger, but what um, people don't realize is the mass audience was not exposed to Kruger. It's um, Hmm. only hardcore, diehard wrestling fans that really will remember Kruger, who um, Adam however, was exposed to the mass audience. So um, it would, that's probably why I decided to go that route. That doesn't mean necessarily down the line we still won't revive Kruger at some point, but right now um, we're sticking with uh, the Adam Rose character. And basically, Aldo, firstly, when I saw the name, I fell in love with it immediately. And secondly, um, it's closer to the actual character it was based upon. So I was like, which was Aldous. So I... um Thought it was very fitting
1: Hmm. Now was Adam Rose A character How did Adam Rose form in the first place Now of course You know the Leo Kruger uh, Gimmick was was pretty popular uh, In NXT Or more FCW And uh, Basically you know it, It was just a complete overhaul From the Leo Kruger character To this party guy um, you know, this, uh, this, this Rosebud, uh, named Adam Rose, who came up with the idea and, and and what were your thoughts on, you know, just basically just the completely different type of character?
3: Well, initially, I mean, the first time I actually did it was just in a promo class and, um, I had basically been given like, um, two weeks to overhaul or, uh, be gone. And, um, hmm. So uh, I actually did it in a promo class in front of Dusty Rhodes and it was just done to show range. It was to show that I could do different things and that Leo Kruger was not necessarily the only thing I could do. And I wanted to do something very different from Kruger. And that was the furthest away from Kruger I could go was Mm -hmm. all the way into that type of character. And um, uh, when I did it, I think the first person who got sold on it actually was Michael Cole because he was at Mm -hmm. promo class that day and he was the guy that said, um, there's something magic about this character and um so we pursued it from there on and there was some ironing out processes but we we produced him pretty quickly actually onto nxt and then uh onto the main roster but um i think in nxt the character was closer to what uh, me and dusty had visioned mm-hmm. and then once it got to the main roster i think it became um somebody else's vision and, and we unfortunately it went from uh, having a sort of an edgy vibe to it being Sesame Street. but um, And I, I said yeah. that um, to Paul directly. I said, how did we become Sesame Street? And he said to me, it's funny because, and Paul was very open with me and very honest with me, that you become someone's interpretation of your character instead of the character that we'd actually produced.
1: Hmm. So
3: that's, uh, I think, uh, basically how it all broke down.
1: Yeah. I remember watching the E60 episode where Kruger, I mean, they put Kruger over immensely, yeah, um, and a lot of people were upset that, you know, WWE didn't capitalize from that uh, by reviving Kruger. Um, I remember, you know, and I and I did see a stark compare uh, contrast uh, between NXT's Adam Rose and WWE's Adam Rose. Now, yes. in, in, in your words what was the grave differences between NXT and WWE? I know you said that, you know, it became Sesame Street, but, you know, why, I mean, why was it that way? Why why did it change? Who came up with the booking ideas with, with you and the bunny? And I mean, it became a little bit too hokey. I mean, who, who came up with those, with those creative ideas?
3: I can't really pinpoint exactly like, um, because I'm not in the meeting, so I don't know exactly mm-hmm. who's who directed it that way. But I do know that um, I did a commercial, and I remember at the end of the commercial realizing that we were going down the wrong path.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: uh, you can actually see it on my face in the commercial. I literally, my face goes completely white at the end of the commercial because I, that's the moment of realization I had where, okay, this is not the right path to be on. And yeah. um, I had a, a chat with Paul about it, and Paul was... That's where we had the interpretation discussion. And um, unfortunately, it's like, it's also the reaction difference. And I don't blame the audience for that because they were given a different product. If you see right. from NXT, the WWE, the audience is receiving a different product. And I think on the main stage, I think on a WWE level, I think it needed to be introduced as a heel. Because it was so mm-hmm. quirky and so different. I think if it was introduced as a heel, I think then people wouldn't have felt forced to love it, and then I think they would have naturally fell in love with certain parts of the quirkiness and things like that and it would naturally have evolved eventually into something or something that people oh. liked. Um, I think that was a, a big mistake, was not introducing the character as a heel. I think it needed to be introduced as a heel, and then people, not forced to love it, but would gradually fall in love with the quirkiness of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, let me ask you this. Right. It, it seemed like there were still some... Uh, Some Lifeline in NXT You know I I would say That it might have been I think maybe the Adam Rose character Might have been caught up a bit too Prematurely because Uh I remember it being Ridiculously over in NXT And like you said NXT and WWE You know there's not I mean there's a casual Crowd in NXT really doesn't Exist I mean there's a It's a nice crowd and it has its pocket of people that watch and supports the product. Uh, and a lot of times yeah. it's a whole different animal. I mean, as we see with call-ups now that aren't really, you know, getting any traction on the main roster, we see yeah. that. And it seems like with Adam Rose, it's, it was so much just stock left in NXT to have that type of positive momentum you know, to to even get to a main event style uh, NXT as far as a a championship was concerned. Because I I remember watching Adam Rose every week and the character was so over. Why was it, I mean, what was it... Just kind of relive and just kind of, you know, let us know as far as the production meeting and why... The call up was decided at the particular time, and what were the components that caused the call up? Because I thought it was a bit premature. I thought that there was yeah. still a bit, a bunch of stock in NXT.
3: Most definitely. I wish, I wish we had stayed in NXT longer. I think, um, I think, uh, I definitely think it had legs there, and to run some sort of course there. It never actually ran any course in NXT because it was really? pulled up so quickly. Out. But I think it's uh my fault and the WWE's fault that that we were called up that quick because uh we had all gotten to the same place where it was um either go up or leave at this point because I've mm-hmm. been in developmental for so long and I wasn't getting any younger and um I had said it directly to Paul that you know either um basically let's do something or let me go cause I got the family to support and if, and if I'm not gonna go anywhere then then you know let's leave it yeah. and um so I think that's one of the reasons was I was ready to move. And um, they were ready to move on me as well because they had also given me, um, you know, you got two weeks overhaul, come up with something good or you're gone type deal. So, either way, something needed to happen. And then when we got that reaction in NXT, I think that was one of the main reasons they moved it because they thought we'd get the same type of reaction on the main stage. But we did not produce a character that was actually the same. So, that's the only shame of But. It's not, It's. I mean, it's no one's fault. I don't think you can really pinpoint fault on that. I think it's like, um, it's just how it ran its course. And mm-hmm. um, unfortunately for a lot of people going up, it's going to run that way. It's just, it's not going to be the same thing as NXT to the main audience. The main audience is different completely to the NXT yes. crowd. And um, I think that's something they learned from that experience. And that's something that um, has applied to certain guys going up, unfortunately. But yeah, I don't he, think in he, the world, actually, if we put stock behind the character and produce the same character, then I think it would have a different outcome.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah.
3: And,
1: and, you know, it's it's tough for me to believe, you know, that someone in creative, you know, and and and, and Paul, you know, Triple H, he, he really, at the end of the day, you know, he really has his hand, you know, on the pulse. And, and you know, he's the decision maker when it comes to yeah. XE. He, he's the guy. You know, all roads lead to Paul, and, and so exactly. it, it, it's tough for me to 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 believe from a creative standpoint, and from just prior experience. I mean, you had Neville, you had Bo Dallas. You know, you you have unless you're a a marketable and very popular indie guy like a Sami Zayn or or, or a uh, uh, Kevin Owens. It's tough yeah. for me, I mean it, we've seen it. I mean we've seen from all the call ups from just about every single call up from NXT staying in the same character didn't do much. I mean Bo Dallas is an example. He was uh, another person who were who was way over in NXT, came uh-huh. to the main roster yeah. of flops. And it's tough for me to believe that they would think I would say
3: that, that, that I it's I the same crowd. Yeah, I wouldn't say so, that Bo is a flop. I, I wouldn't say that Bo Dallas is a flop at all. Um, I would say one of the key components to the Bo Dallas character was that it had to win for it to work. And um, so the moment you take a character like that and he's not winning, I mean, I remember live events on the WWE, not in the NXT, where Bo would come out and the entire crowd would stand up and there was something magical there. But um, unfortunately, that character needs to go over, to get over, and um, for it to make sense. And the moment you take that component out of it, it loses its um, intrigue because the whole point of Bo was being that um, cheesy, and uh, the whole point of it was to that over celebration and stuff like that. But you don't get that if you don't um, give him that. If you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, and uh, I agree with
1: that. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't say that it's a Bo Dallas fault. You know, my, again, it's from a, I've, what I've seen is that it's a creative it's a creative pitfall you know, because like you said, he had that, he had that momentum, you know, winning matches and, and getting over, but at the same time, I, I started to notice kind of like kind of the diminishing uh, when, when it came to his character, uh, because it, it just seems like people just were starting to become disengaged, not because mm-hmm. again, you know, he was doing, he was doing his, you know, he, he no fault of his, but it just seems, you know, he was, Going to, and I'm a big fan of our truth, but he was going against our truth. He just really didn't have uh, the people to to feud with that had enough steam as a babyface to really put yeah. him over as a heel. And I noticed that with yeah. your character as well, they wasn't really putting you with people who had a lot of heat. You know, it was just kind of a mid-card yeah. level, and it's and it's tough to really put someone on the map as far as a character if you're not being opposite of people who have enough heat as a heel to really put you over as a baby face. And I noticed that with your character on the main stage as well.
3: I think one of the hardest things to do in this industry is to get over as a baby face. And yeah. um, I think, uh, you know, some people have a natural connection with the audience. Like Sami Zayn has a natural connection with the audience. I don't think Adam Rose had any connection with the audience because he was completely quirky and over the top and, um, ridiculous and I think that's why it would have been better introduced as a heel because your automatic reaction to seeing someone like that is to boo actually and not to, to like it mm. so I think and that's the thing for both um, I do think um, when I was brought in I was honestly told face to face look it's going to be a card push and that's it and I was happy with that because it was uh, I was programmed through years and years and years especially in FCW of my goal was to get out of the developmental uh, mm-hmm. NXT was not what it is today when I was there. It's uh, now a brand, and it's now uh, um, can stand on its own legs. And I mean, I would say to NXT guys that are there and girls that are there right now, don't be too hasty to move because NXT is not a bad place to be.
1: Uh, and, yes. um <laughs> totally yeah. agree with
3: that. And um, <laughs> so I mean, I think uh, there's so much. It's like you can focus more on a Bo Dallas and focus more on a Adam Rose and NXT. But once you get to that level where there's so many stars, there's less less on the plate left over for new yeah. talent coming in.
1: Totally agree with you. I mean, I, I think I think we got to see. I think we see that now with Apollo Crews. You know, I, I you know, and I'm a, I'm a huge. I love Apollo Crews. and I just it just seems like it's a you know small fish in a big pond right now at least. And, you know, and, you know, and and like you said, I think there's more investment. We're seeing that with Finn Balor, you know, he, him and Bailey are are two people who've been NXT for so long, but their characters are so popular now because of just their developmental. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, NXT is a brand, but it's still really a developmental territory. I mean, you see people like Finn Balor and and Bailey, they have developed their characters you know even with many years of independent and you know uh, wrestling experience for the both of them they're really still developing their characters to become extremely popular and i and i see that when like i said I, i think there was just so much shelf life left in adam rose nxt so what would you say the biggest difference is between nxt and wwe from a backstage standpoint
3: Oh, that's a huge difference. It's like N- NXT is um, still, I mean, you cannot compare size once you get to the main roster. And I think the biggest difference is there's so many superstars that are already bringing the company money onto the main stage mm-hmm. that when a character is introduced, it's hard to find place because you've got to look after the guys that are already proven to bring in money and to bank money, which makes sense. I mean, that's what it's about at the end of the day. And so then it just becomes hard to find place and hard to um, justify pushing certain things. And, and I mean, you've got to look at it from a business standpoint. That makes sense. We're going to go with what's uh, tried and tested and what's proven. Mm -hmm. And so you really need to have to get that type of uh, main event push right out the bat you have to have a lot of stock already invested in you and believable stock that's not going to fall apart once you get to the main roster. And that's why I think like I think like a Sami Zayn's going to be fine. Kevin Owens is fine. I think like um, Finn Balor will be fine. And the reason I say that is because they're ready. Like, NXT's exposure is so much bigger now than it used to be. Definitely. I would think even casual fans are starting to see that, if you know what I'm saying. It's not like it's mm-hmm. just diehard fans that see NXT. I think even the casual fans, Knows about NXT now. So I think the exposure of it will make a huge difference when you introduce new characters. I think the casual fan even knows who a Finn Balor is now. And I think if you introduce him now, he's going to have such support from the diehard fans that that casual fan will follow what the diehard fans are doing. So I think someone like Finn Balor will be fine coming out.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of a grassroots approach from, you know, back in the day, a traditional grassroots approach of how to, you know, uh, kind of grow a company from the core and spread it out, you know, because NXT, yeah. you know, it was a three to 400 person crowd, you know, a few years back, you know, now you're selling out, you know, eleven, twelve thousand 12,000 people in London and Brooklyn, you know, uh, right. in Japan, you know what I mean? Um, and a lot of people who, you know, who attend NXT shows, you know, they're not necessarily weekly watchers, but it's such an infectious brand that people are gravitating to it. Yeah, I think you make a great point there.
3: Yeah, I mean, NXT is, in my opinion, a brand. I don't see it as developmental territory anymore at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, NXT is a brand, and the stars are bringing in money by themselves. So it's like I think it's completely different to when I was there. I mean, I went through developmental. FCW was a full-blown developmental territory. But NXT, I mean, you cannot fault. I mean, Paul Paul knows exactly what the audience is looking for. He knows exactly what each separate audience is looking for. And um, in that way, he's he's way ahead of the times with regards to what he's doing, and he knows that. But Mm -hmm. he's gradually got to uh, integrate it.
1: Yeah. So who were the... Who are all the people who played the bunny character? And we saw, you know, I, you know, we saw kind of a, a, a spiral, you know, down, um, when you kind of were feuding with the bunny and it was a tag team match what led to a heel turn or, you know, what kind of led to, and you, you, and it makes sense, but you know, you know, you, you felt that it should have started as a heel, it seemed like it was a bit too little too late when you made your heel turn. Yeah. Um, who are all the people who played the bunny, and what prompted that heel turn? Was it a matter of just kind of, you know, uh, the, the, the creative seeing that the stock was, you know, kind of diminishing as far as people being interested?
3: I think so. I think it was that, and I think, um, I mean, the people were starting to do. So it's like, funnily mm-hmm. enough, we had a very different reaction on live events. So. Like, live events, the character was still somewhat cheered, but then once we got to TV again, it was a negative reaction. So they go with whatever the reaction is um, happening with the audience. And also, it's much easier to connect with an audience disliking you than it is to connect with an audience and trying to get them to love you. So I think, um, and then I had also personally asked for it. So, But I do think we had lost so much stock already by that point that... um, Unfortunately, it didn't get the momentum we wanted. Plus, it never really played out. Um, I hmm. can't go into who actually played the bunny, but I can say it was Road Dogg a couple of times.
1: Hmm. Very interesting. Um.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, and just the, you know, the bunny character and you feeding with him, you know, that was just uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. Well, you know
3: what? You try and make the best of whatever you get, and I think that's yeah. um. That's the attitude that you have to have, because if you're not going to give it the best, then you're not being, you know, giving your, your, your own personal best when you're out there. So when the bunny thing started, yeah, it wasn't ideal, and it wasn't something that I'd ever imagined doing. But at one point, the bunny was getting a huge reaction. Yeah. The problem is the, if you don't pay it off, and you pay it off at the right time, because there's like a curve with the audience, and you got to catch it on the peak. And if you don't catch it on the peak, sometimes we wait too long and things start to dip, and then we have not capitalized at the maximum point that we could have. And um, I feel that's what happened. We just took too long to pay it off. And then Mm -hmm. the audience by that point had already disconnected. Like, I remember when I actually did finally heel turn on the bunny, the crowd actually cheered me. So that went, like, the wrong way, because by that point, the bunny was already starting to get disliked. And the mm-hmm. crowd's like that. The WWE audience is very fleeting. They oh, are, um, they're in, and if you don't capitalize at the right time, they're out.
1: Oh, yeah. You've got to strike while the iron's hot <laughs> every single exactly. time. Yeah. So uh, why didn't the WWE capitalize on E60? And, uh, you know, was it, did you have any desire to go back to the Kruger character after all of that exposure from EXPN, ESPN? ESPN?
3: Um, I, we had already done the transition to Rose on that documentary, but like, um, I think I always felt that Kruger should have been given a chance. Oh yeah. Um, but I do feel that Kruger personally, this is just how I view it, but no one's ever told me this, but I do feel that Kruger needed to be bigger. I just feel the character as a mercenary and whatever he was supposed to be. It's like, I feel like if he was six foot six and three ten, he would have immediately gotten attention and been perfect. Mm. Um, but um, I feel I mean, I was told that the ESPN audience And the WWE audiences are two different audiences And that's why we didn't capitalize upon that um, I personally think it was a, a mistake But I also think, what were we going to do? You know, what? are we going to introduce me now as a family man? I mean, it's like the audience isn't going to get behind that So it's like, it's just It was strange in, And I understand that in a way It's like, how do you pay that off? You know, mm. and um, I also think that it might, your fights are really decided, I think, a lot of the time. I think they know where they're going to position guys pretty much out the bat.
1: Yeah, but, you know, the interesting thing that I realized at that time is that there was just a swarm, you know, of social media attention, you know, just just wondering why there wasn't a a transition back to Kruger. But, I mean, I liked Adam Rose, to be honest with you. I thought it was – yeah. A, a very interesting character. I, I love it. I think, I think, you know, I've said this for many times, I've watched wrestling, you know, we're a couple of years apart and you and I, and I've watched wrestling all my life, you know, and uh, I'm so used to theater and art and drama. And, you know, the, that that's pro wrestling to me, the, the, the athleticism yep. and, and, and the actual in ring work, it's just a small fraction of the bigger picture, which is just, I'm coming to see art and theater and drama, you know, all play out. And, you know, yeah. characters to me is is what it's all about. And I think Adam Rose, like I said, I think that there was so much momentum going with an Adam Rose character that I liked. Uh, but I, I think it could have been full circle. I think, you know, going into a heel and gravitating on the main roster, gravitating back into a face would it really worked. And, and one thing that I always that I, that I saw was with like a, 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 um, um, TJ. Wilson, uh, uh, Tyson Kidd and uh, Zach Ryder, You know there were people who were given an opportunity to kind of recalculate back in NXT and come back with the main roster. I mean uh, Tyson Kidd won a tag title, you know after kind of going back to NXT. Zack Ryder won an Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania, you know, after going back to NXT. How come that wasn't, you know, how come that it wasn't the case for you?
3: Um, well, I mean, my situation uh, I think was completely different than theirs at the end, but, and understandably so. But um, at the end of the day, a guy like Tyson Kidd is just so talented, and, and Zack Ryder is talented, and I think like, um, the audience is a little unfair sometimes like a guy like, um, Zach Ryder, sometimes he's just doing his job. You know, he's got to go out there and do a three minute match and put somebody else over. He's doing his job and he's doing his job well. And, um, but the audience chooses to sometimes disconnect from people that are given that job. Mm -hmm. But, um, NXT has proven that it can revive characters and it can get the radar back onto certain people. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think, I think it was too early to try that. And I'd already, um, by that point, I think uh, we'd already been done. So I think I think it was too early. I think that I think we're going to see a quicker turnover of superstars than we've seen before in the future, because there's so much talent in NXT that I think we're going to see a much quicker turnover than we're used to yeah. with regards to superstars going up and going out in the future.
1: Yeah. I just think it was. I mean, I think it was just two successful stories with Ryder and and uh, Kid. And I remember they they brought you back down a few times to put people over NXT. Yeah. Um, but you know, but I, I just <laughs> there wasn't much to that though. I mean, and no. even the funny thing about that still was even when you were very established on the main roster and you went you know back down at NXT to put people over, your character was still over. You know, and it was, (laughs) it just was really mind boggling to me when you would still come out, even without any rosebuds, people would Uh still react to you, you know, as Adam Rose. So it was very interesting. So, who decided, what was, who decided the whole party pooper and just a total different character from Adam Rose, but Adam Rose, but an entirely different character?
3: Well, that was me because, um, once again, that's me, um, trying to get, attention and trying to get uh people to notice that i can do something different so i thought let's just try the polar opposite of this what is the opposite of what i've been doing well the polar opposite would be the party pooper so let's yeah. go with that and you must remember everything at this point like i'm, I'm not I, at that point i'm not being booked at a, as a main event talent and i know that so mm-hmm. i'm trying to reinvent myself the whole time to continually have legs and um to continually try and get people's attention again in the office so you're Uh, doing different things to give yourself shelf life. Um, So I created Party Pooper, which I think actually got some of the best heel reactions. I remember on live events, probably the top heel reaction at the time was Rusev. And the second loudest heel reaction was the party pooper. And uh, because it was so basic and so simple and so in your face and so anti the audience. And so it was just so simple to dislike that when we did live events and the party pooper came out, it got a huge heel reaction. And it's hmm. a shame I feel that never actually got a chance.
1: Now, was that recognized by creative? Uh, because it just seems like that led to um, uh, you were teaming with who was it? You were teaming with someone. They kind of threw you on a team with someone. I don't, I don't remember who it was. But, um,
2: yeah, I was,
1: it was but- Brad Maddox. Yeah,
3: hey, uh, yeah. I was doing some tag work with Brad Maddox on live events at one point.
1: Yeah, that's we once again. Yeah,
3: I just find different.
1: I just interviewed him a few weeks ago. Yeah, that's who it was. He he, he mentioned you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and yeah, it just it, it just seems like it had again, it seemed like there was something that was coming from that. I was just I was I was always pulling for you. I just I don't know what it was about your character. Yeah. I was just pulling for the entire time. Like, man, just put this guy. He, Give him a shot, you know. Even when you came yeah. to the social outcast, I just, I just seemed, it just seemed like it was a the 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 faction was just a flop in the making. But I was like, okay, at least at least again, there's something coming here. What were, yeah. I mean, who came up with that idea to just the place from the social outcast? And what was your overall take on that faction?
3: Okay. Well, we, I mean, we had no idea. Like we got, I think we were told at five o'clock on a Monday night that mm-hmm. we were now going to be a group. And um once again, I think we were four guys that the company saw had something that was, we were doing nothing. So I think the idea was, okay, let's put them to get collectively in a group. And I mean, these are guys that don't know each other really well. And I think the awkwardness of it was actually one of the reasons, like you get all these well, like polished teams And the idea was for the faction to not be well-polished. And the idea was for us not to get along and to almost be bumping heads and trying to one-up each other the whole time. And Mm
0: -hmm.
3: um, I think Social Outcast has a bunch of talented individuals in it. I think Heath is talented. I think both Dallas is talented. And I think um, Henning's unbelievable that he's talented. So I I do believe that... um, I don't think Social Outcast is is, going to be a dead loss. I think it's actually... Given the right structure, could actually take off, but it's all a matter of where you put it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it just—I don't know. It, it just seemed like it was just a desperate attempt to to really make four people who had so much potential somebody yeah. again, and and that's the that's the unfortunate part. Of it. I mean, because like you said, I mean, I mean, Curtis Axel, you know, from what I remember, he trained. You know, he, he he did some some training to, to Triple H and The Rock, you know, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. you know, uh, to kind of help them get back into the ring shape. So, you know, yeah. he's he, he's put some work in, you know, as far as being, I mean, yeah. he, he was with Heyman, you know, he feuded with CM Punk. So he's put some work in, but it just seems like, to me, when I look at social outcomes, especially with Heath Slater, with his whole Legends thing, he was really a big spot of, on Raw every week. It just seems like when I look at the social outcasts, it's four people who has a ton of potential, but the the WWE creative admitted that they've dropped the ball on these four people. That's what I mean. That's what I see with the social outcasts. Now this is just a a, a desperate attempt to try to make them, you know, somebody again, but I just really didn't see much, unfortunately. So, you know, a couple more questions left. How would you describe just the backstage politics as a whole, on the main roster and just working in the WWE?
3: Well, I don't think I'm a really good politician, unfortunately. Um, I, that, that, <laughs> I just, I think I, I might not be um, as good as I thought I was at that. But at the end of the day, I I just think there's so many people that have already proven their stock that unless you're a Finn Balor or a Sami Zayn, that's going to take off right out of the bat. It's it's going to be tough. And yeah. um, to find place because if I'm a businessman I'm going to invest in my proven stock first before I even look elsewhere and why mm-hmm. would I take time away from proven stock to give it to somebody else unless you and somehow have already become proven stock and and that's why it's harder for some guys who are not necessarily as established and as known to get that push or to get that position yeah. um, and I mean it's all business at the end of the day it's very basic, and it's simple business. I'm not going to give 10 minutes to something not proven. I'm going to give three minutes to it, and I'm going to give my 20, 50 minutes to the guys who have already proven their stock. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, that leaves very little window to get through sometimes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's unfortunate too, man. Like I said, I just think that there was a ton of talent there with you as a character that was just um, uncharted. Uh, so is there any talks? I don't know if you can discuss, you know, uh, this, uh, in detail, but is there any talks with any other reputable, um, you know, company, uh, such as TNA or ROH or New Japan?
3: Well, I've, have had some contact, but it's not, um, like you said, it's not something I can talk about right now, but, um, right now it's just a matter of, I've got to wait till that opportunity. And, uh, it's not the end. It's, um, the beginning of a different journey, and it's a it's a reset and it's um it's like uh some people could look down upon i guess working independence but I view it as a, an amazing experience to get to do that because I never got to do that coming from South Africa mm. I missed right. that entire thing right from from wrestling in the Congo to wrestling you know in the f c w so mm. I missed that entire experience and um so that's something I'm excited about and then there are some talks with some companies so it's 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 not over yet and um, i don't think it's the last year mean so mm-hmm. um, i because you I, came
1: straight from I, south africa to wwe to... territory right
3: what's that say that again
1: you, you came straight from south africa to wwe territory right how how did you who found yeah. you and uh, how did you get that opportunity
3: well um, i'd have to say justin gabriel Because he had uh, just been signed, and me and Justin were friends from when he was 14 and I was, like, 16. So we had known Mm -hmm. each other for a long time. We worked together a lot in South Africa. And um, he was the one who actually called me and said, hey, they're doing a tryout type thing. And it's like uh, you pay a a certain amount of money and you get to try out. And I ended up doing one of those things. I was semi-retired. I think I uh, was—I'd actually stopped wrestling. I was doing commentary for a program in South Africa. And um, he said to me, dude, you got to try it see what happens and I ended up uh, trying out against 50 other people and I think they signed five of us out of the entire lot, and I was, I was one of them and I got called mm-hmm. I think three months later to come up and uh, took a, it took a while, took almost a year to get there to get mm-hmm. from South Africa to this mm-hmm. and um, that's how I did it but uh, that jump coming from like a country from like South Africa, that jump from there to the United States to FCW to the WWE is a huge jump like Justin had done work already in, in Europe. So he had, had that experience. I didn't have that experience. I was coming directly from Africa to there. Yeah. And um, I remember, like in South Africa, the training was completely different. We weren't really taught. Like you, you learned on the go. Um, I remember slow-moing tape when, when I was younger to try to figure out how things were done. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, uh, there was a guy that we... They used to bring out like international talent to come work against us, and they brought out Aris. He used to be a tag team partner of Cesaro back in the day. And I remember having a match against him, and it was the first 20, 25-minute match I had. with all finishes and everything. And it was the first like proper match I'd ever had. And I remember him talking me through it the whole way, and at the end of it walking out and saying, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So when I got to FCW, I had a lot to learn, because I had yeah. just come from Africa. I didn't know exactly what I was doing, but they saw something in me. And I think one of the things they saw in me was the fact that I brought some, I actually brought, when you come to a training standpoint, I was coming from a totally different environment. So it was good for the other guys in the developmental to work someone with a totally different experience.
1: Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Awesome, man. Well, where can we find you now? Uh, what type of uh, dates do you have? And, you know, other, you know, other than, putting yourself uh, over and promoting, you know, we're going to be, something I want to know is Uh what what was the biggest takeaway that you got from your WWE experience? It didn't end very well. You know, there were some, you know, there were some decisions that were, that were made toward the telling your career that kind of, uh, you know, uh, allow kind of, unfortunately, you know, uh, let you go. Um, what, What would you, what would you say that you've learned from the WWE experience?
3: Well, I mean, unfortunately, it uh, had a thorny exit, but it's uh, uh, not something, obviously, that I planned on ever doing. It was some sort of very unfortunate events led to it, and then some of them unfair, but its um, I understood it, and um, I knew it when it, when it when it happened, that that was it, and uh, I've come to terms with it and accepted it, and um, I understand completely from a business standpoint what they did, and totally understand that I would have done the same thing, mm-hmm. but... At the end of the day, it's not over yet, and um I have my own personal checklist that I want to to like a bucket list of what I want to do in pro wrestling just nice. to actually have some fun with it and to actually produce the character I wanted to produce out the bat and um see how the audiences react to that so nice. I'm gonna be all over new york i mean i got a I'm gonna be in New York for a while and Unfortunately, so many bookings I can't really tell you exactly all of them. But I'm going to be all over New York and uh, Chicago and Philly, and um, um, it's just it's going to be. I, I view this as a positive reset,
2: mm-hmm. and
3: I view this as an opportunity to get out of pro wrestling, what I wanted to do when I was 10 years old. And right. um, when you're up on the stage, you're doing what somebody else wants you to do. Right but at this level, I I want. So it's a, it's a blessing because I get to do what I wanted to do as a ten year old boy.
1: Yeah, I mean, as a as a WWE wrestler, you're still deemed an independent contractor, but you're you know you're still under the umbrella of WWE. But now, I mean, you really are an independent contractor, so you get to uh, live like, that out. Yeah. yeah. So, who are three people that you've never wrestled that you desire to wrestle in this independent journey?
3: Um, there's a lot of cool for me to uh, wrestle Joey Ryan right now, so I I just don't know if there's any promoters that would want to see how that would turn out, especially now that I'm BG anymore. Um, But yeah, so there's a lot of cool for that. I mean, I just want to get a full experience, you know? I want to be able to experience every part of this business that I fell in love with when I was a child. I want to experience it, and I want to have Uh, a positive experience and i'm not saying that my wwe experience was negative i just want to have the experience that i wanted to have when i was 10 you know and and produce the character i want to produce and control that type of thing and i have i have something to prove to myself personally and um you know prove my own stock some people i want to prove my stock i have and i think until i've done that i won't rest easy.
1: Sounds uh, it, it sounds great. Can you think of two other people?
3: Uh, let me think. Um, obviously, I'd love to work Justin again. I think uh, or also uh, me and Justin. I'd like to do some tag work again, to be honest. And then um, probably um, just an opportunity to see if I could hang is with uh, people like Ricochet and stuff like that. I would I would love to see if I could hang because there's a lot in the tank that I've never delved into. And mm-hmm. now I get an opportunity to delve into it. And I think the audiences might be surprised at actually what's left in the tank and what they've never seen.
1: Awesome. Yeah. It's a, uh, Rick is another person I interviewed here on my show. Great guy. So I'm sure he'd be, he'd be willing. What's that?
3: I said an unbelievable talent. I mean, just oh, unreal.
1: Goodness. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree yeah. with that. Yeah. It's been a pleasure, sir. I really, like I said, man, I think I I agree. Everything that you're saying, I totally agree with. I think there's so much more um, in you that uh, people have not uh, experienced. uh, That's a reset. It's a recoil. It's a rebuild. um, But you'll you'll come out stronger than ever. I appreciate that. I do appreciate that. My pleasure, man. You have a great night.
2: All right. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Bye. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners, three. mine. let's go. The whole squad is making it clear We've taken this year You know who we are, but you don't know why we're here So this is where the big boys play These big boys play Like who defies the living God Get out the big boys' way Outsiders with the swoop in We live as kings, you see in us But our third man waits in the wings And when the time is right We shock him with the proper attack I go for dolo, but ain't solo Cause the promo in black Hollywood, Hendrix, Frizzle, pinning them to the man I'm Dash Wundekin with the strength of a hundred men with one intent to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself. But you rap out your guts and your rags torture. White coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome. Never lost faith. You in our space. You can all skate, Suffer but never cripple. No bend walls in my cross face. From here to Saturday they raving. Anticipating I was frostbit, Now I am Glacier. Mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals. You think God for my defense in Alabama, we jammin'. That's beautiful, Bobby and me and Priest. We the dangerous alliance, nah. The so Harlem Heat tie the do rag before we do battle. You're talking sheep, you all what you speak. This too still. Domer, is took back. We rappin' that work pack. The foundation shaking, no mistaking. Yeah, we shook that. Trusting God, we trust. pushing forward, never look back. Meekness ain't at all weakness. Some people just that. Stamping out this crook rap, Heat on in the power. We're on, on the razor's edge, leg drop after a power bomb. Tired of the lies, man, we bringing the truth through. Diligent and fruitful, the owners in our group too. It's good to be king, sold out this war is brutal. too. We playing the war game, our army go move too. youth crew. I'm in the Baptist with a bat in my hand. and stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter in the grand scheme, it's that easy. Sag teaming, sound the brothers, we love it, demand the win, establish it, fit clash to the scare This is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play.
1: Such a pleasure to interview Aldo Rose, formerly known as Adam Rose, and um you know, every week when Wendy would say Heathy Baby. I thought that, that was absolutely incredible. I don't know, I man. I've said it on my show many times. There was something about Adam Rose that I saw so much potential in from a character standpoint that was just untouched. And, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting. And I'm, I'm really p- uh, proud, you know, that he he's able now to be able to really, really spend time with doing those things and with, with having the opportunity to, you know, have just really rebuild you know and revive his career as an independent wrestler so without further ado ladies and gentlemen we have former Bleacher Report feature columnist current writer from New Jersey's The Record as a go- guest co-host tonight none other than Robert Aitken Jr. How are you tonight sir?
0: Chrissy baby how you doing Chris?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Perfect <laughs> yeah that's uh that's awesome uh, uh, yeah, man, so, you know, how are you doing tonight?
0: Uh, doing pretty well, doing pretty well, um, you know, here on the East Coast, there's a lot of rains, so they're just trying to, to dodge all the thunder and all the lightning and stuff, but uh, I'm, I'm here with you, you know, pancakes and uh, power slams.
1: Absolutely. I'm in Ohio, so I'm, I'm East, Midwest East as well, so yeah, we... Uh, yeah, it was some some storms a few a few days ago, but it's been pretty sunny uh for the for the rest of for all of the week. Um but I think we're pretty good. My birthday is on Saturday, so the weather's pretty
0: clear for that day. Oh, happy early birthday, sir.
1: Thank you much. So what do you think of the Adam Rose uh interview? What what's your takeaway from what he had to say?
0: You know, I I've always been a fan of his um, I've always, you know, like you mentioned the E60 uh, interview with him, and if, if you didn't want to root for that guy after that, and there was something wrong with you, I mean, that is a guy that you you just want the world for, and you know, unfortunately, you um, didn't touch on his his personal stuff, you know, for obvious reasons. There's there's a couple of details about that that aren't exactly clear. People made some mm-hmm. quick judgments about uh, how he's actually gone from wwe but um you know he's 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 not done yet like he said like you know there's there's still more in the tank for him and you know you you, you want to root for the best for this guy there was obviously potential there they saw it there um they, they could probably have gotten rid of him a couple of times over the years and you know i i, I saw him both as adam rose and even as um as Leo Kruger, they he did a, a house show at the at the Garden, and he came through, and people didn't know who he was, but they they saw him and just his his charisma that just oozed off him, even as a heel, people could just see, you know, that there was something about this guy. I, I don't know who he is, but I want to sit here in my seat, even though I don't know who he is, and and, and see what this guy's all about.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I certainly am. So let's get into some headlines. Uh, CM Punk to UFC 203, and, I, and I've said this on my my Facebook page, and I've said this many times on the show. You know, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, I actually was thinking about hiking up uh, about a two and a half hour trip uh, from me to Cleveland uh, to see it live. Um, I'm sure the tickets are swarmed as far as uh, getting good seats now. So. I don't know, Uh, I may may still go up, I may just have a UFC, you know, uh, shindig here, Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know, what do you think, what do you think about that? I mean, there's been so many false, you know, alarms with with, with CM Punk, you know, from injury and just not being ready yet, I just interviewed, uh, my my guest co-host last uh, week was uh, David Hero, and he was saying that you know he's he's from Wisconsin and, and Punk is doing some training there and you know even still you know he's from his sources he's still not ready physically yet I mean two oh three is the projected time you know it's 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 advertised now with him and and uh, uh, Mickey Gall <laughs> you know what, what do you think is is it going to happen and when it happens where do you think CM Punk's head is right now
0: um well before we get into into that um i don't know if you realize this but him going to ufc 203 in cleveland he'll be in the same arena that he walked out of in his last yep. appearance with wwe that, that's where he walked out raptor world rumble people yep. don't realize that um yep. as far as the fight i mean it it's time i'm i was very similar to you just you know waiting for it to actually happen. And, you know, until it happens, I won't really talk about it. You know, it, he's not an MMA fighter really until he actually fights an MMA match. Yeah. Um, with that said, uh, Mickey Gall is, he only has two um, professional fights. Mickey Gall does uh, only one in the UFC. Um, actually, he has a couple of, cause he's a he New Brunswick kid. He's from New Jersey, uh, just like I am. I don't know him personally. No, one of the kids that he faced One of the kids that he faced um, Marvin Nino he faced uh, Right before he became pro uh, He actually went to high school with me So I I do know A little bit about Mickey Gall He is a submission artist There, there are knockout artists In UFC and there are submission artists And he is a submission artist And he loves the rear naked choke So see him If he's in there UFC 203 He better be ready because he locks it in quick, he, he gets you in there, and you're, and you're done. There's no rope breaks in UFC. There's no right. crypt in UFC. If you're in yeah. that chokehold, you're either going to try to get out of it or you're going to have to tap and try to live another day. So he's got to be ready. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, tap out or pass out. That's, those are the only two options. Um, And there's a 14-year gap, you know, from from age as well, if I'm I'm not mistaken. Uh, Mickey's 24, Punk's 38. So, you know, that has to to play a big part as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, Gall is probably a kid that you're going to, if you watch UFC uh, 300 to go a couple years in the future, Gall could definitely be a, a guy you see fighting for... Uh, a welterweight title, UFC 300. He's he's young, he's strong, but he has the potential. This is not people made uh, claims about Brock Lesnar when he went to UFC through uh, softballs for him to kind of get wins and, and just sell pay-per-views. But Punk is getting a good fighter. This, mm-hmm. this this is not this is real people. This is a real guy. Yep, absolutely.
1: So, of course, we know about the Roman Reigns suspension um, and Seth Rollins mentioning it uh, on Raw, which was a bit of a surprise because I think this may be the very first time that WWE has ever incorporated a suspension uh, within a storyline from a violation. Uh, And it it really surprised me. Um, I think it was some, some, some positive in it. Um, but what what are your thoughts on on that actually being mentioned on WWE program? They're kind of breaking kayfabe a bit, and how would you you know kind of reinsert him into storylines?
0: Uh, I honestly love it. I mean, it's you, you have to know at this day and age to try to keep up kayfabe is very difficult. People know a lot of things. Um, you know that's why you'll, you'll you'll you will hear certain people getting booed or cheered. You know, based on real-life situations, people know this stuff. It, it, you can't just hide behind what your character is anymore. So for them to try to blur that line, you know, some people were thinking that the suspension was all a work in order to get him off TV for a month, but it's it's real. He really did fail a bondless policy. That's that, You know, that that's not a, a storyline. As far as mentioning it, the only other time I can ever me- think of them actually mentioning something in real life like that, to to bring it back to we were just talking about the man CM Punk um, when Jeff Hardy was released um, they made mention of him getting arrested right after his release from WWE yeah on a pay per view no less and people were like surprised at, at them mentioning that but I love when they can actually talk about something that's real because they're not insulting the audience that knows better they're not trying to pretend like certain things are going on or that they aren't going on. You know, people know this stuff, so why not acknowledge it? As yeah. far as bringing him back in, um, I did like the fact that he's still in the match for Battleground. People still want to see that match. Um, but I think you're, you're going to wait a while before you see him truly get another opportunity being a world champion. You know, th- this is really going to be... Uh, you're going to start to see a a heel Roman Reigns. I don't think you can avoid it anymore. It has to be the move that you make now. And it's more so, um, is he going to screw his best friend in in Dean Ambrose? Or is he going to still kind of be the good guy, even though people really root for Seth Rollins? Is he going to get one over on on Rollins, who had a chance and and Ambrose is going to retain for his friend? So it's, Mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting because it's going to be, the the triple threat with all three members of the shield that people have been waiting for literally for over a year and a half.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I've noticed is um, the, and this isn't necessarily a headline, but it was something that I was just really kind (laughs) kind of pondering about is that the Dudley boys have absolutely no direction in their w w e career right now I mean it was such a huge pop when they returned and you know when they had they just i mean they were over you know over as baby faces has been you know uh a decade since they were in the w w e they just you know WWE made sure to continue to say that over and over and over again um but now nowadays you know, their heel turn wasn't necessarily a, 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 a bad thing, but there's nothing going on for the Dudley's right now. What
0: what's the, what is the relevance of the w, Dudley Boys right now? I, I I don't know if they know themselves personally. I mean it, it's it's actually kind of sad how what has happened to them. Um, I mean they they came back the night after SummerSlam, so it, you're you're approaching a year they've been back with WWE. They had a feud with New Day. They had a couple of title matches. They won via disqualification, so they didn't get the titles. Then they won a five-on-five Survivor Series match with Goldust and a couple of other people. And then they get into a few with the Usos, and they lose to the Usos on pay-per-view. They took their, their match at WrestleMania and, put, and bumped it to the pre-show. They took their match against Lucha Dragons and bumped that to the pre-show. They're not even getting on the main card anymore, and when they're facing people, they're basically just putting over young teams. There's so many teams now in in, in the tag team division, and there's more on the way because if you look down at NXT, you have the revival, you have Blake and Murphy, if they don't, assuming that they don't uh, split them up down in NXT, you have a couple of other teams down there, uh, Team 61, and 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 you know and the like. And there's, there's more on the way. And You're going to take some of these guys, you're going to put them together, you know, when you get to Golden Troops and the Breeze Dangos. And they're really in a place for the Dudleys. You know, they, they just got a DVD. Um, they're, they're, they're back in with WWE's good graces. Maybe it's really just a retirement run and they're waiting for uh, a Hall of Fame spot. And that's that. Because I don't really see them getting uh, a 10th uh, tag title reign. I really don't. No, no, no.
1: I don't either. <laughs> unfortunately, it's just. I mean, it just seemed like it seemed like it could have it went that way when they were feeding with the new day, but no. Unfortunately, that doesn't seem like that's going to be um, the way to go. So Tampa, Florida is uh, housed WWE Raw um, on Monday evening. And uh, what are your what are your biggest takeaways
0: from Raw? Um, couple things. The um, the highlight reel with. Uh, with Zane and Owens just reigniting, if you can even do that, a feud that they can they can face each other ten times in a row with no stipulation, and people are still gonna want to watch it. They are so they know each other so well. There's so much to talk about with that backstory of why they don't like each other and and how far they go back as as friends, and th- that's always gonna be an entertaining match no matter what you do with them. It's, it's fantastic um, The other thing I can think of
1: oh, yeah, The ahead. thing is with that real quick is that You know I, I think The split would help that Because I think that we've just seen With all this programming it To me is what hurts the product Mentally That you're seeing the same people On Raw that you see on Smackdown and You're seeing the same matches Over and over and over And over and just different variations Of the same match you know, if I see one more Dolph Ziggler and Baron Corbin match, I'm going to scream. I'm going to, say, I'm going to send a telegraph scream to the corporate headquarters because it's just so much of the same stuff, and it just dilutes. You know, again, man, I always go back to the fact that I'm an old-school wrestling fan. You, you build up the story. It culminates with the match. If there's going to be a continued match for the next you know, pay-per-view there's a the screwy finish that leads into the next one but if you have the same people going you know, the same two people going against each other over and over again this person wins this person wins that person wins I, I don't see anyone necessarily going over in that particular case how is this how is this feud and it's been going on you know for really since Zane came up 5 months ago How is this feud really going to put one person over or kind of send someone else to the next echelon instead of bouncing to another feud but staying on the same plane, mid-card plane?
0: I mean, it's very interesting. uh, Leading up to all that money in the bank buildup, you you almost could have sworn that Sami Sami Zayn was going to come out with that briefcase because Hmm. every – mention of him was well he's never won anything and he doesn't deserve to be here. You know, we we've all been champions before. Most of us have been world champions before. We've had world world title opportunities. And who's this guy? Why does he think that he can hang with us? So he became that, that underdog. I mean, Sami Zayn is not an underdog. No no one no one can really say that, that Zane's an underdog by any means if you know anything about Sami Zayn. So they they've almost they've built him up as this guy that you want to root for. And For some reason, he's just the the thorn in the side of Kevin Owens. You can argue Kevin Owens would be world champion right now if it wasn't for being distracted by Sami Zayn over the last six months. So, I mean, there's something there. I'd I'd love to see... um, I'd love to see... Once you get through all the the triple threat with the three members of the Shield, to look for that next... uh, for the world championship leading into the fall. I'd love to see Owens and Ambrose. I think that would be that'd be uh, fantastic. You could see Zane still kind of hanging around there. Um, I'd love for there to be another money in the bank, but you have to wait all, you know another year for that. But Sammy Zane is a, a perfect guy for that. Or even uh, even to give it to Owens and have Owens walk around with the, with the briefcase and Zane finally climbs the ladder, and he finally wins the world championship. And then Owens gets his payback by going in and, you know, taking it away from from his former friend. I mean, there's a lot you can still do with it, but there has to be something more that comes from Battleground with these two. Of, of what's this next step? Where does this evolve into? Because there's a yeah. bunch of ways it can go with it.
1: Yeah, from the highlight reel, it, it, you know, we saw in Raw. It seems like this is a culmination.
0: Yeah, they're, they're making it seem like this is the end for now, but I mean, we've they, we've heard that before. We heard that the Rock and John Cena was a once in a lifetime, and then we got it twice in two years. So yeah. you know, you, you never know what's going to happen in WWE. Yeah, yeah,
1: you know, I you know that was a marquee, a marquee. I, I guess they probably saw so much money in it from the first time and probably drew a bunch. You know, they're like, yeah, I think we can kind of uh, renege on, you know, our 110 lifetime moniker, you know, for the the box office that came in. So, um, yeah, what what other takeaways did you have from all?
0: Um, the other thing that I wanted to to say about it was, um, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with this new day Wyatt family situation. Mm-hmm. Um, Xavier Woods and his interaction with the with uh, the Wyatt family is very interesting. I don't know what they're going for just yet, but I really want to keep seeing what's going to happen with these guys. Um, It's great to see the Wyatts back. I think the Wyatts are going to be the ones that take the tag titles away from the New Day. I want to make that claim right now. It's the longest. they're, They're going to end up having probably the longest reign with the tag titles. I think they're going to pass London and Kendrick. And then by the time the Wyatt family finally has their match against the New Day, they're going to figure it out. They're going to take them away. The Whites are going to be tag team champs, and they're going to be tag team champs for a while. And you will finally get uh, the Wyatt family with the fear that you should have of them. You know, they're they're going to be the dominant force that you thought that they should be. Uh, because the last time you really saw them was at WrestleMania, where The Rock was in front of over 100,000 people looking at Bray Wyatt and saying, these people like you, you know, you, you are something special. And they're going to show in the coming weeks that the Wyatt family truly is something special. Hmm.
1: See, I'm, I'm going to agree with you there. Um, as far as the Wyatt family having some type of uh, championship, because I, I said this on my show uh, prior, I actually like the Wyatt family New Day um, storyline going on right now. Because I think, so the thing is, with I don't like the fact that they are causing Bray Wyatt to kind of go away from his character a bit. I think he should still say, I think he should still stay dark and, 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 and mysterious and eerie. Um, but I do like the fact that they are actually telling a story. You know, um, and, and it's a really easy way to to jump in the story because the New Day is billing themselves. They've been billing billing themselves as having the power of positivity. Bray comes out and always says these negative things. It's perfect. I mean, it makes perfect sense. And then just the gravitation and the trance that uh, uh, Xavier Woods is having, and even to the fact overall that he wasn't necessarily endorsing the antics of uh, Kofi Kingston and Big E. Just those little nuances to me, and again, I always say from a character standpoint, from a from a storytelling, theater, drama, things like that is what makes wrestling, wrestling. That's what differentiates, you know, pro wrestling from a big scale, and just those little nuances really makes it interesting, and I do think that the Hawaii family could and probably will, um, be the one to dethrone the New Day, and I'd be. And, I, and this is coming from a huge New Day fan. I'd be okay with that because New Day has already proven themselves. as re- really making a tag team division interesting and fun again. And I think, you know, finally, it gives the, the Wyatt family an opportunity to, you know, to have and capture some type of gold. And I think that having the tag team champions. Would kind of put a notch in their belt because there's been so many failed opportunities, and at least giving them a tag championship would help them, you know, in the long run. Now, what combination do you think? Will it be a freebird rule, or, or do you think it'll stay on uh, two two members to one
0: Um, I think it'll probably be a, a Roman and a Strowman thing. Um, they're not making any mention to Luke Harper at all, which tells me either Harper is not going to be, when he comes back, is not going to be a part of the Wyatt family or that he's just not coming back. I mean, I know Mm that the injury that he had was pretty serious. Um, Mm -hmm. He is on the older side. So who knows if he's done, but if he does come back, does he come back as a Wyatt family member or does he just come back as himself? That's an Mm -hmm. interesting point. Another point to you as as a New Day fan, that those seeds that you were saying that that are being planted by Xavier Woods, does Xavier Woods end up leaving the New Day, and does the New Day split up based on this loss? Is the power of positivity essentially gone for these three?
1: I think it's a full circle thing. I can see Xavier kind of uh, drifting away to the wide family, kind of like uh, a Daniel Bryan thing, but not as forced and abbreviated as the Daniel Bryan storyline. I think it right. may be a trance thing, and and you know Xavier Woods kind of drifts away to the Wyatt family, and then he kind of he you know he and he sees the light you know eventually. I think this here's the thing. I think this is a story like can go months, you know, and I think it can really be interesting and intriguing without feeling forced and, and rushed if Xavier kind of drifts off and then at the end sees the light, and then recapture the tag team titles. Like, he can actually cost the New Day the tag titles, hitting them with Francesca or something like that and kind of, you know, uh, being in this trance uh, out of fear, you know, and then and, and, and he sees the light, and then th- that gives the opportunity for the New Day to kind of put an extra layer on their character and, you know, they recapture the titles down, in the, you know, down the line.
0: Yeah, I mean, there, there's really a lot you can do with it. You can build them up as, as, as you know, they, they call Bright White the eater of worlds. He can be this kind of, uh, they can be this faction where they're basically just kind of changing things little by little. Instead of just making blatant changes, they can uh, put them in contact with the White family, and the White's can kind of change people. Like, you can bring up Mojo Raleigh and have the hypros with Zack Ryder. something happens to Mojo and all of a sudden he's not hype anymore because he's Mm, been depressed because of the riots. you know, there's a couple different things you can do to really change characters. If you don't like the way a character goes, don't just change them randomly, give them a reason for changing. Right. Absolutely. What do you think
1: about the decision that, uh, Alberto Del Rio, um, made now, it doesn't. It didn't make much sense for me at all uh, to see that when, when he made his turn. Um, however, you know, with that, I mean, it didn't really see it, it seem like a turn. I mean, w- what do you think the logic was in having Del Rio, uh, Enzigiri, Sheamus, and then just kind of, you know, uh, watch, you know,
0: spectate from the stage area. I'm not really sure what they're doing with, with Del Rio anymore. Um, it, it, it's very strange. It, it's unusual. You know, the, uh, the League of Nations thing had a, a lot of potential there. They obviously really weren't doing as much as with it as they thought they were going to. You almost feel like they were supposed to work for the authority, and then they almost never actually did that um, since they split up. I mean, he, he's had feuds with, heels. He's, you know, he, he, he feuded with Owens and Owens is a heel. He, you know, I mean, granted he did feud with, uh, with Callisto a little bit and, and, you know, he did get involved in that kind of stuff, but, um, you're not really sure what Del Rio is. I mean, he, he, he does have talent. He obviously still has something to give here. I mean, he, he's getting up there in age too. And, you know, even if he didn't come back, you could honestly have made the case, that he does have a hall of fame type resume for WWE multi-time world champ money in the bank, uh, Royal rumble. So, I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot to prove and he can make people better. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they actually do, uh, with his character going forward. Are they going to turn him face? Cause when he did that, when um, he was a world champion going into WrestleMania 29, it kind of fell flat a little bit. People really didn't know what was going on there. It was a little awkward, and then you right. got into that feud with him with Rob Van Dam, where um, Ricardo Rodriguez was involved, and it was just kind of awkward. So um, it's he, he's had a lot of awkward uh, situations and over the years, and this looks like it's going to sound up to be yet another one, and um, who knows what's going to happen? Honestly, I mean, he, he does get a reaction from the crowd. They still do the CCC thing, which is obviously a reference to, you know, Brian with the yes chance. So maybe he does have something that he could be a face, but um, I, I don't know who, who do you put him with, you know, for what reason. Uh, I guess we'll find out pretty soon.
1: Yeah, indeed. All right. Well, we are going to go to the flavor of the week coming right up.
2: It is now time for the Flavor of the Week.
1: All right. Flavor of the Week this week is the, uh, both Robert and myself uh, have compiled a list of the top five uh, former WWE superstars who should return for the brand split. Who is your number five, Robert?
0: My number five is Mr. John Morrison, who you now know as Johnny Mundo then in uh, Lucha Underground. Um, he has a WWE background. He's been a champion before. He's teased uh, being a world champion. And he's gotten a lot more popular now that he's been away from WWE. You know, they brought him in with, with Tough Enough. He, he could come back. You could be, maybe uh, market him yet again. And uh, I think he can really help out uh, some of the younger guys. So
1: he's my number five. Oh, that's a great pick.
0: Uh, My number five is Ken Anderson.
1: Um, Mm. Interviewed him on my show earlier this year. And just, uh, you know, he he really gets a lot of negative flack as far as just uh, (laughs) his uh, overall work ethic uh, in in the WWE. Uh, But, you know, I think that there was so much in his character that was so over and I really think that uh, he was released unfairly. I, I just don't think it, it made sense as far as the Randy Orton thing. I, I'm sure that there are other things that were just compiled in that, but I think that they should give. I mean, he's you know he's 40 now, and I still think that there's a, an opportunity for him to be a strong uh, mid-card uh, figure uh, in the WWE, especially on the SmackDown level. Hmm. You're number
0: four. Okay, my number four is Mr. Cassius Ono, known to the mm. world as Chris Hero. Um, he, he showed up in NXT. It worked out a l- little bit okay, right? As the NXT was getting towards the network time, but NXT is a lot different from how it was then. Um, mm. I think he can, he can put his, himself in there. He can fight you know, Nakamura and Austin Aries and, and Samoa Joe. And then you can put him onto the main roster. You can fight AJ Styles, and you can fight, um, you know, I can see him fighting Kalisto. I'd love to see him fight Kevin Owens. I'd love to see him fight Rusev. I mean, there's a bunch of different things you can do with him. And you uh-huh. have all those friends up here. He has talent. Um, I think they dropped the ball with him the first time, and uh, hopefully they get a second chance with him. That's my number four. What about you?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: My number four is very Mysterio.
1: Uh, hmm. You know, of course, you know, he, he's uh, <laughs> injury-prone, unfortunately. But, again, you know, this this is dealing with the split. You know, Rey Mysterio was, uh, you know, multi-time world champion. I think that Rey Mysterio ha- still has star power. I think the fact that he's with Lucha Underground, he's doing so well there. And, you know, it's Lucha, is, you know, this week and him and Prince Puma uh, are going to go at it. I think the fact that he still has a television presence and he's not just some indie guy wallowing around, you know, from after his successful WWE run, I think that still, you know, makes him interesting within the public eye because of this Lucha underground brand. And because the brand is so, you know, um, interesting, it's a very interesting brand. And see, it still has kind of like a jump feel. If he's coming straight from the Indies, it wouldn't be as, um, I guess, as shocking or it wouldn't be as interesting if he's just coming straight from the Indies. But the very fact that he's still on television and the very fact that he's still in a very prominent position in another company that's not necessarily competitive with the WWE, but it's still a very popular television wrestling promotion. Still kinda has that jump feel. And every time mm. you have that jump feel from the Monday Night Wars, it kinda make your name and your and your character a little bit more interesting to, to uh, you know, to invest in and to see, you know, why you jump in and, and how are you from the previous promotion. So I think I still I still think that there's some some life left in stereo in the WWE.
0: Hmm. Well, you're you're talking about a, uh, a, a a presence on another promotion. It leads me. It's a perfect transition to my number three, Derek Bateman, now known to uh-huh. the world as EC3. EC3. Yeah. He 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 made his name in TNA. They 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 brought him in with with the the original version of NXT back when it was sort of a reality show sort of thing, and uh. I mean, he has talent, obviously. Um, he needed to go somewhere else in order to to, to find himself. And he went to TNA mm-hmm. and became a huge deal there. Who knows what's going to happen with TNA? I don't think TNA knows what's going to happen with TNA. They could right. pack up in three weeks, and we don't even know it. Um, he is a star. He is one of their biggest teams. And he certainly is a guy that doesn't have as much bad blood as some of the other guys in TNA. That it seems feasible for him to come back. Maybe not as Derek Bateman. He could come back as another gimmick for all all we know. But he's young and he can definitely make an impact, so to speak, um, on uh, on WWE. Yeah, that's a good
1: you, that's a good, uh, that's a, that's a good uh, choice there. Especially you know with his interactions with Evolve recently, and then Evolve's you know interaction with the WWE there's an indirect relationship there. So that's a exactly. that's pretty good, uh, good picture. Exactly. There. My number three is RVD. Uh, Ooh. Because, yeah, and I said this on my Facebook Live Raw Review yesterday, I still think there's some life left in RVD from a legend standpoint. I still mm-hmm. think I still think that there's people like a Baron Corbin or a Rusev or a Kevin Owens that can benefit from the uh, the infectious baby face reactions that RVD, uh, you know, elicits. And, I, and you know, there's, there's not many strong faces and strong heels anymore. I mean, in order to, and, and, I, and I say this, and I'm a firm believer of this, in order to really make yourself just go to that next level, you have to get a bunch of heat if you're a heel and a bunch of pops if you're a face. I mean, that's what really, puts, you know, uh, ascends you. I think I think RVD still has that baby face reaction and the ability to put over you know, a uh, uh, Corbin or Rusev to help them ascend as pure heels.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Okay, I have my number two. Are you ready for this number two on episode 222, two, 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 so. Pancakes and Power Slams? <laughs> I hope uh, so. <laughs> my number two is the recently released Damian Sandow coming back to okay. WWE. Um, mm-hmm. If they knew they were going to do this split, I don't know why they got rid of him, honestly. Um, maybe they did him a favor because they, they got to give him an opportunity to go somewhere else. Um, mm-hmm. The fans still love him. He, can, he doesn't have to come back as Damian Sandow. He can come back as, honestly, whatever he wants to do because the guy can do pretty much anything. Yeah. And if he, if he came back on a random live Tuesday SmackDown, you're going to have a reason to watch Tuesday SmackDown. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's my number
1: one. Yeah, that's funny because it's funny that you say that because Cody Rhodes is my number two. You know, okay. uh, recently released uh, for I mean, basically, Ditto what you're saying as far as just uh, that quality of people wanting to see and just you know, kind of making a mistake of uh, of letting him. I mean, he, he kind of wanted to be let go, but he was just I and mean, the creative was just not working with him. I think we should give him an opportunity to
0: shine on SmackDown. Mm, I like that. All right. Drum roll. drum roll. My number one, Mr. Carlito. Okay. Um, you have the Shining Stars. You brought, them in, uh, you brought them back with that gimmick, and it fell flat. People just can't get behind it. So bring in their cousin. Bring in Carlito, who people know, and make it a faction. And have, them talk, uh, have him talk instead of them. Because that's mm-hmm. not where their strong suit is. They are very good in the ring. There's something there, but they're squandering it. And Carlito is a name from the past. He, he just has that little bit of charisma to him. He can really make the shining stars into something. I, re- I mm-hmm. really think that would be a, a good, seamless transition for him as my number one. What about you?
1: Nice. Yeah, interesting, because I uh, had Carlito on my show. I actually, you know, texted him. And every single time that I've texted Carlito, well, he's, interacted. he's always texting me back w- without any problem at all. And it's interesting that I've texted him about, you know, the WWE jump, heard nothing from him. So that's, that's very, very interesting. I know they kind of have to keep a gag on that stuff. Right. And, um, yeah, so it was very interesting that every other time, You know, no, without any problem at all, I would hear back from Carlito, but for some reason, this time not. So it might be that that speculation may be true. I I Mm -hmm. talked to JTG relatively frequently as well, and he actually did, um, you know, uh, respond. He actually did text me back and said no, uh, and nobody. (laughs) <laughs> there was there was nothing that that uh, on my end that anyone contacted me. Uh, real quick, we have got about fifty seconds. My my, uh, my number one is hands hands down, Kurt Angle, uh, just because just because I see there's so much money in Kurt Angle versus Rusev to me. I want to see wow. Kurt Angle versus Rusev at WrestleMania, like like no other match almost. Because I can just see that being Such a clinic To see in the ring Rusev is such a good wrestler for, And so agile for his eyes Has so much heat Kurt Angle is the, the resident Patriot You know of, of you know Just hit throughout his career And I think that that would be so amazing To see at a Wrestlemania match It didn't even have to be for a title But Kurt Angle's US champ Has a good ring to it as well uh, but yeah, I think I think that would be absolutely amazing. So, do you want one quick rematch for
3: you that? Kurt yeah. Angle
0: versus Cesaro.
3: Just oh, imagine.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just amazing. imagine that.
1: Yeah, just I can I can look at the portrait right now and and look at it you know and know that it's going to be a masterpiece if I see Kurt Angle versus Cesaro, absolutely. And yeah. with, with the t- with the level of competition that the WWE has right now, there's so many people that you can put Kurt Angle against that would just be absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it would be incredible. You can you can do it, Kurt Angle AJ Styles again, but on a WWE ring, you know what I mean? And oh. It would just be absolutely amazing as well. Fantastic. So, so, yeah. Yeah.
0: So where can uh, where can we find you, Robert? Okay, well, you can find me. Um, uh, I'm running for the, the record in New Jersey. Um, you can go on NorthJersey.com, and I'm, I'm writing on there in, in the local sports section, uh, finding the, the next big uh, thing in, uh, in wrestling. And I'm actually working on an MMA fighter from New Jersey that may be the next big MMA fighter in the middleweight division. And uh, you can also find me on Twitter. At, it's at that Rob Aiken, and Aiken is A-I-T-K-E-N.
1: Fantastic. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, and you were an amazing guest co-host for this week. I really enjoyed it.
0: Thank you very much, Chris. Thanks for having me.
1: Indeed. Have a good night. You you too. Ladies and gentlemen, Robert Aiken from the record uh, from New Jersey, former Bleacher Report feature columnist, former co-worker of mine when we both were feature columnists from the uh, the Bleacher Report. So, uh, yeah. Great choice to be go guest co-host for this evening. We're going to continue this guest co-hosting going on, uh, so be sure to keep that uh, in your in your belts and your minds as far as what the Pancakes and Power Slams show will continue to do next week. Ted DiBiase Jr. So that's going to be absolutely incredible. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy your week of wrestling. God bless. My birthday's on Saturday, so that's awesome. Enjoy your fourth